it right there. Springtime is here. Flowers are in bloom. And so are we. How dare you check out this episode? You must have amazing taste. On behalf of love. And on behalf of justice. We we are are not safe for weebs. And in the name of the moon. We we will will punish you. you. Hello, everybody. Hello. Isn't this, a wonder, isn't this a wonderful moonlight night? Oh, you just reminded me of the <laughs> moonlight night, and now uh, my soul hurts a little bit, I think. <laughs> I love the moonlight what night. <laughs> uh, I'm, listen, I'm glad somebody does. <laughs> I Ouch. love the, fil- the filler episodes are my favorite. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Okay. I love bad filler episodes. <laughs> um, well, uh, hello, everybody. So um, so remember when I said that uh, I'm the left bun and Emma's the right bun? Well, we have a, a third bun on Usagi's head today. <laughs> uh, Christopher Bryan. Hi, I'll be Chibiusa. That's what I'll be. Oh, okay, <laughs> nice, nice. I like that, um, Chris Lamb, that you and I are just like buns on Usagi's head. And Chris Bryant, you're a, you're a whole ass person. <laughs> I'm a whole annoying person that's completely ruining the fourth season of your show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, God, uh, not wrong. Go for her. No, no. For her. No, not wrong. Not wrong. Uh, please, please, Chris Lamb, continue. Yes. Uh, before we uh, go into formal introductions with our lovely guest, Chris Bryan, um, let's go over the fandom term of the day, Emma. Yes, let's, Chris. Uh, so the fandom term I have of the day is TPTB. Uh, it's an abbreviation of the powers that be. Mm. Uh, I I came across this through, you know, just some... Uh, very light research from what I understand it's not as used of a term anymore but like it's still obviously applicable to everything Um, it's used to denote just the people that are behind the original work that Mm -hmm. um, we are taking said ship from it can refer to the creator the creator and the team the creator the team and the company that they work for or even the people that are publishing it whoever has formal control over the property that we're talking about. Yeah, the this term uh, is, I find it's most often used when the people who are creating fan works are mad about something <laughs> that whoever has actual creative control over the IP that they're taking the characters that they're writing about from when they're mad at the direction that those creators have Per se, taken those characters. Absolutely. That's definitely where it's most (laughs) used. Um, And, you know, even when it's not in a ship context, I think this idea obviously is still used when just critiquing the work, right? Or talking about the possible direction of the franchise or just talking about what they would like to see uh, in later installments of said franchise, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So going back to our... Introduction of our guest, uh, we have Christopher Smith Bryant. Um, you are a comedian. You also like Sailor Moon. Obviously, yes. no one could tell from your hoodie. A, I was going to say, you're wearing a fabulous Sailor Moon hoodie. I feel badly that I'm not wearing any um, Sailor Moon clothes. Uh, I just are worked you a out. Are Oh yeah, big time. Uh, okay. yeah, I did a I did a whole podcast about po- a whole podcast. <laughs> oh wow. Moon, yeah. Wouldn't yep. it be funny if you just begrudgingly made that podcast for Yeah, I was like I hate every episode. Sailor Moon, but I'm just going to do a podcast about it for like 3 years. So. <laughs> 
Well, I think some people can do podcasts of things they hate. I don't know. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's very much true. But no, no. In the case of Sailor Moon, oh, my love runs deep, uh, okay. which I'm sure we will get into uh, a little bit today. So wait, let's let's start with like, what is everyone's like fandom of Sailor Moon then? Since we're all Sailor Moon fans, like in yeah. which different way? So are you a fan of like the manga or the anime or like what's your... Um, so I, uh, so obviously I, I was introduced to Sailor Moon actually via Sailor Moon toys, uh, which started popping up at like KB toy stores and stuff around 1995 when the oh, show was airing in um, syndication on various UPN networks nationwide uh-huh. yes. uh, early in the morning. Uh, so I'd seen <laughs> advertisements for the dolls on TV and then I started seeing the dolls in the stores and I was really fascinated as to what it was. And a girl, I'm going to, I'm going to get real white and uh, East coast for a second here. Uh, <laughs> a girl who I was at horse camp with uh, was, was into Sailor Moon. And so I started watching Sailor Moon because she was watching it and I needed to be cool like her and watch this show. <laughs> uh, so that that was my intro to it. And then obviously like got my love for it renewed and, and got really back into it and started getting more deep into the fandom when it was airing on Toonami in the late 90s um, on Cartoon Network. But uh, my primary fandoms, as far as Sailor Moon goes, are actually the manga, um, because at the time, we only had up through partway through Sailor Moon R, and then they finally finished it on uh, on Cartoon Network. Um, and it was this whole thing where they're like, it's the lost episodes of Sailor Moon. I know way too much about the history of Sailor Moon in North America. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I... However, at the time, we then didn't know what was going to happen with the rest of the seasons, particularly given the fact that this was like early 2000s. And at that point, there weren't a whole lot of uh, like homosexual relationships on TV, particularly in programming that was aimed at children, which Sailor Moon in theory is. Right. Um, uh, so there was this big question mark of like, what's going to happen with the rest of Sailor Moon? What are they going to do? Cause they'd already done some like gender flipping of characters to avoid having yes. gay relationships. And did you uh, know that when you were watching it? Uh, I did know it when I was watching it because, uh, I, I was interested in doing research on everything that I love. I have a little bit of an addictive personality. Um, so when I was really getting back into Sailor Moon, I, you know, the internet was a fledgling thing, but I did have access to the internet. Both my parents are computer programmers. Uh, so I I went on these deep research binges as deep as you could go at that time. And I did a lot of research on the source material. So I was aware like, oh, Zoisite is actually a guy. And this is this was like a, a little homosexual love story between him and Kunzite, uh, which didn't bother me. I was fascinated by it. Um, yeah. and, uh, and then... Yeah, so I, it was this big question mark of like, what's going to happen with the rest of the series? However, Tokyo Pop was already publishing the manga at right. that point. Yep. And mm-hmm. they left all the relationships unaltered. And so that was just the easiest way for me to get my hands on the rest of the story of Sailor Moon because that already existed legally, locally in the States as opposed to having to like hunt down fan subs and things. And then also I came up against the wall of switching over to watching Sailor Moon uh, in English to in Japanese with English subtitles really early on. So 
when they, I mean, honestly, like I started watching the, the, the Sailor Moon S season of Sailor Moon when it started airing on Toonami and some of the voice actors had changed from the original, Amer- the, the dub voice Sailor actors Moon actually like changed for a lot. Joyce voice Exactly. Actors. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, the, uh, in the original dub of Sailor Moon, the voice actors actually changed a lot. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I just, I was, and when I got to Amara and Michelle were cousins, I was like, Amara I can't. and Michelle. Yep. yep. I was like, I can't yes. do this. Yes, I, I remember. I can't watch this. <laughs> Listen, I remember. I remember finding the VHSs of you know the new dubs from Sailor Moon S, yeah. like in like the most obscure like dollar weird dollar store situation. It, right. it was weird. Anyways, uh, Christopher, what was your experience? No, I was gonna say I remember because so I watched bits of it as a kid, but I was mm-hmm. not obsessed because my parents. I went from a religious background, and they were obviously like. <laughs> You can't be watching this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have to say, I remember the whole cousins thing. And it's like, you know, when you're a kid in the South and you see like those like roommates that it's very similar. Like we yes. all knew something was going on and that was totally like the same type of thing. But yep. <laughs> I, I think I really got into it actually when they created the new dub in English was mm, when I- The Viz dub. And I- just got obsessed because it was like this thing that was banned from my childhood that I wasn't able to enjoy. And then I just then went in like head and deep, just obsessed with it. And I, I love, I love watching Japanese like with the subtitles, but I do have to say they've done a really good job with the latest uh, dub. I, I thought. Oh like, yeah. Oh, I, it was so good. Yeah. It's I so totally good. agree. I, I have a ton of friends that worked on it too. Um, and they really did do such a nice job and, and preserved the integrity of the source material, which is very much in line with the direction that Sailor Moon has gone in general since the 90s anime, uh, because Nako Takeuchi, the creator of Sailor Moon, has a lot more control over everything that happens with Sailor Moon these days. So yeah. a- according to my friends who worked on that dub, apparently she had to sign off on all of them. So <laughs> they, they did a fantastic job because it's for it to translate as well as it has, but like, you know, make all of this, they've, I think they've just done a really great job. And as someone who watched the original 90s show, it's so weird how things make so much more sense with this. Like, you're like, oh yeah. Like I, we always knew like even fisheye, like there was something you were like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, This makes more sense. Yeah. Right. And this also makes me think about how, like, even though obviously the 90s dub will always have a very special place in my heart because that's oh, what yeah. I grew up with. No, for sure. You know, with Sailor Moon says and, and that white <laughs> actress that they got in the middle, oh, in the, God, in the interstitials, remember. right? Yes. Don't touch that remote because if you don't, I'll be totally bummed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So let's. Let's tell people that have been living under a rock about this series. <laughs> I mean, let's just get right into it. <laughs> so, um, so the series that we're talking... Oh, well, first of all, the ship that we're talking about is uh, Seiya X Usagi. Yeah, and, which... Uh, we'll- I'm very excited to talk to you about this, uh, Chris Bryant, because I'm super not into this ship. So I'm very, but, but I am, a, uh, I'm definitely a medium take kind of person. Uh, like I don't get mad when people don't like the same things that I do. Uh, and I'm just, I'm so curious to hear. I also think that fans of the, uh, don't judge me. I still yeah. can't say the word manga. I keep yeah. going like my Southern accent manga will come out, but like manga. Um, 
But I think that people's view, like people who are fans of the manga have very, very different opinions than fans of the anime. Yes. Because I, obviously I, the story yes. is quite different. It's quite different, particularly at this point. And I think at this that, one, yeah. And I think that that will be a big uh, part of this conversation, quite honestly. Well, and Mamoru is a completely different character in the manga. Completely the different. Completely but, different. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Chris Lamb, continue. Tell us about Sailor Moon. <laughs> yes, so... Uh, it's based off of a, a manga from Naoko Takeuchi, uh, published in, uh, well, based off of is a, is a loose term, right? Because she was kind of making, they were both kind of being made at the same Simultaneously, time. Simultaneously, yeah. Um, it was published in Kodansha's Nakayoshi magazine beginning mm-hmm. in July 6, 1992. And the anime first aired on the, in the same year, March 7th, 1992. Uh, the story was basically like a glorified spinoff from Codename Sailor V about uh, our Sailor Venus, Minako. And this was, this manga was actually inspired uh, by Nako Takuchi's desire to combine the genre of Maho Shoujo, Magical Girls, and Tokusatsu. And if you don't know what Tokusatsu means, I actually didn't know what this means uh, in my research. Uh, It it means, it basically means special effects, but it's meant as uh, an overarching umbrella term for live action special effect hero shows like yeah. Power Rangers and Ultraman. Common um, Rider. Yes, Common Rider. Beetleborgs, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Toku is uh, very uh, prevalent in Japan. And and the way that I, I sort of explain it to people is you're totally right, Chris, about it meaning special effects. It is a it is shows where the bad guys are largely played by human beings in uh, monster suits. <laughs> yes. And there's a lot of foot explosions. <laughs> yes, yes. There's a there's a lot of um there's a lot of looking hurt and jumping yeah. when there's an explosion like a few feet away from you. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep, a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Um so Codename Sailor V was originally intended just to be a one shot, mm-hmm. but Toei caught wind of this and basically was like, hey, do you want to um, expand this into more stuff? We're like, we'd love to make this an anime and we'd love to uh, make this into a bigger thing. If you're willing to expand this into yeah. an entire team of Sailor Guardians that isn't just Sailor V. Because I want to say that this was right around the time that um, on uh, the network that Sailor Moon aired on in Japan, they had just wrapped up and, and Toei was the animation studio behind this as well. They just wrapped up the like nineties revival of Sally, the witch maybe. Um, so they were in a place yes. of being like, Oh, we want to do more magical girl stories. Cause this went pretty well. And also we made some items in this show that we can sell as toys. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And uh, speaking of toys, mm-hmm. uh, the anime has obviously become nothing short of a cultural phenomenon. Oh, still yeah. celebrated to this day with renewed toys. Yeah. Of course. Uh, it's still considered like, you know, this very important anime alongside the likes of Dragon Ball. Um, you know, they, they were kind of showing around the same time anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they kind of, in a way, covered like two, two different, you know, sides of the spectrum. Yeah. You could two say. demographics, I would uh, say. You know, Traditionally female and traditionally masculine, even though obviously like there's a lot of great, there's obviously crossover. They're not, I think they're both very important works that, and they're important because they don't just appeal to those two Mm -hmm. like genders. Yeah, I agree. Um, A Sailor Moon Museum was recently opened and closed uh, and there was a Sailor Moon Cafe uh, kind of celebrating its legacy. Uh, in the 90s, uh, 
uh, you know, a little bit after it was airing in Japan, the anime was brought into Western English speaking audiences by Deke. Who, yes, Deke. Uh, <laughs> shout outs to Deke. Shout outs to Deke. Snaps for Deke, you yes. know. <laughs> um, who, uh, from what I understand, people originally wanted to reanimate this show entirely. I believe there's a bunch of footage on yes. YouTube um, um, with some of the test footage of this animation, okay. which looked not. All right. Okay. So, so let Amazing. me tell you, let me tell you what it was. Uh, so basically, <laughs> uh, in the nineties, um, a guy who had been involved with, uh, who was like the president of Bondi America at the time, yes. I want to say he had worked on power Rangers. And so obviously power Rangers was a massive success in the U S and a big part of power Rangers success was selling toys, which were licensed by Bondi. Right. So, uh, so he kind of looked at sailor moon and looked at the numbers it was doing overseas, particularly in, in regards to toy sales and went, Oh, we need this in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was some conversation about, is this going to translate to an American audience? So, yeah, basically, he had pitched this idea of doing Sailor Moon, but doing an American Sailor Moon where the the uh, parts where the girls were in their, like, civilian forms were going to be live action. Uh, right, and then yes. when they transformed, it would be animated and they'd be in space. Right. <laughs> like... There is, is the most amazing, beautiful article written about finding the the yes. pilot. And I have to say, if you've never, it doesn't matter. I have friends that have never watched an episode of Sailor Moon in their life. And they're like, this article is one of the most interesting articles mm-hmm. I've ever read. Yeah, it's, it's all about basically how they created the first female superhero team and how these people were way ahead of their time trying to yeah. create. Mm-hmm. I also remember... I. Of course, bought all of the Bandai toys whenever oh, I was at Toys yeah. R Us. Um, and I also remember all of the ads, like um, the <laughs> the moon carrot, that moon carriage that was not in the anime. Oh my at all. god! Well, that's the funniest thing is that one of the things they had too of that original toy line in the states was that moon cycle. Uh, yes, the moon cycle, which actually looks a lot like the literal moon sailboats they were going to have in this North American Sailor Moon. Uh, Maybe yeah. that's where they got it from. It's nuts. They were like, "Oh, we spent uh, enough money like trying to design this, so we need to just sell it." <laughs> Continuing on, the anime saw three movie spinoff releases. Yes, the first of uh, which is actually legitimately really, really good. It's so, uh, oh my god, it's so good. Not I, normal for anime movies. Not normal for movies that are companion pieces to anime series. Most of them are just very over-the-top and fan service but the yes. Sailor Moon R movie is legit good. Oh my god, it was so good. Um, it went on for 200 episodes in the 90s anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a live-action Power Ranger-style adaptation, which I know that Emma is privy to. I am not only have I seen all of it, I've seen all of it multiple times, and it's my favorite version of Sailor Moon, unironically. Yes. <laughs> um, the live-action one, right? Yes, in Japan? yeah. Yep. Every every mega Sailor Moon fan says it's their favorite. Yeah, Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. It's my absolute yeah. favorite. It's my absolute favorite. Uh, and that's going to apply, I think, a little bit to the conversation we're going to have about uh, differing opinions, depending on which version of Sailor Moon you like uh, regarding Can the show. Can I ask, because uh, yeah. I've seen bits of it. Do you like it for the cheesy campiness of it? Do you like it for, like, what is, what is the reason why the uh, live action one is your favorite? So the reason why I like the live action one is I uh-huh. feel like it keeps the integrity of the manga in terms of relatively serious storytelling. Mm-hmm. But 
what it does is expand upon uh, exploring these characters' relationships with one yeah. another. And also, like, the Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon, I think, is, like, 52 episodes, and it only covers the first story arc. It's only the Dark Kingdom. And, right. the, oh, God, and just the way they flesh out all of the, the main characters of the Dark Kingdom. So Queen Beryl uh, and then the four Shiteno. Um, mm-hmm. Also, just so amazing. Uh, and, and even, you know, dumb characters, sort of side characters, uh, um, like Motoki, like they, yeah. they they add a lot to him also. It's just, it's really, it's so cute. The focus is on the character relationships. Um, if you like the ship, uh, Raimi Nako at all, it's basically canon in Pretty Guardian <laughs> Sailor Moon. That's, uh, yes, that's and correct. And I, I like that ship quite a lot. So, uh, oh. it, yeah, it just, they, it, they do such and and it is it is cheesy as all get out and but you're like by the end of it i'm not even kidding you i'm just like a sobbing mess every single time and you're like this is the dumbest plot point why is this why am i so sad about this uh yeah and even just like the stuff with her mom and her brother it's amazing I, I'm excited. I need to actually watch. I've seen clips of it, but that's the one that I really want to yeah. dive in and, and watch it. Cause and like, I yeah. recommend to, you gotta, you gotta sit with the cheesy for a little while. Yeah. It, it's yeah, a do. little bit of an adjustment because especially in the beginning, they were trying to do some CGI, which they give up on really fast. Good. Um, uh, cause the CGI looks terrible. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to be, the, you yeah. still, you still get the CGI transformations, which, uh, listen, they look like nineties window screensavers. Like there's no two that. ways about it, <laughs> but, but like, you know, it's still, it's, it has its charm to it. And yeah, yes, I, uh, I just really love it. I really love it. And it's also, uh, for me, like I struggled with the character Usagi. I didn't care for her very much when I first started watching the nineties anime, I started liking her better when I, uh, watched, it in Japanese, particularly the yeah. first thing I ever watched in Japanese was the Sailor Moon R movie. I was like, oh, I like her better. And then when I started reading the manga, I went, oh no, actually, I kind of like this character now. But uh, uh, so I Miu, the girl who plays her in uh, in like Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon, the live action, I literally just got like chills saying her name because she's so, so good. And that's what I really fell in love with. Uh, with that character. Sailor Moon Crystal was, was recently made as kind of a remake to the series in a way to be more accurate to the manga yeah. uh, for three seasons. It's, it's and the uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood of Sailor Moon. Yeah, except, you know, with multiple animators. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, there was a little outsourcing going on on the animation in the first yeah. two seasons and it's, you know, leaves something to be desired. The third season is so, like, it's a completely different show in my it's, opinion. It's, yeah, Seriously. no, the, the third season is amazing. It's what it should have been from the beginning, quite frankly. Um, it no, makes me excited for the two movies that are coming out. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, and I mean, that that is something that I think is worth kind of noting is that I feel like, again, the reason that I like uh, Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon so much is it really took what the manga was doing and it makes really interesting changes, uh, but still felt like it had this like sort of story integrity and tonal integrity uh, as mm. far as the manga goes. And I would have actually liked to see that with Sailor Moon Crystal. I would have liked to see Sailor Moon Crystal take what was in the manga because when you're reading a manga your brain is filling in the spaces in between the panels. And what they've done with Sailor Moon Crystal is literally like translating page to screen. And it's not that exciting. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's, I, I kind of got that feeling too. It, it felt very like, okay, we're just going to go from this to this, yes, this to this, it, this to it, this. It, this it to feels this. a little flat because of it. Um, yeah. Whereas like, oh man, I don't know if y'all are into, uh, uh, <laughs> say it on you, the Sailor Moon musicals at all, but, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I am. Oh, don't, I've don't, seen, don't get it twisted. I am. I've seen just the latest one that was out in theaters. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what did they show in theaters? Move Mon Final, the one that was the Sailor Stars. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, 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 yeah. I feel so bad. We were so drunk and rowdy during oh, that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was not uh, the the new Sailor You, the ones that are the uh, that are like Takarazuka inspired, basically. Uh-huh. So all the roles are played by women. Um, uh, are actually really good. I, I think they yeah. get weaker as they go on. That's not true. The best one is the second one, the one that covers the uh, uh, the Black Moon Clan story arc. Uh, Petite Etrangere, who is so good, and the the changes that they make to it, like the plot twist, whew, totally blew my mind. Uh, but yes, I digress. Uh, I, I'm just more amazed they're able to sing and dance like for that long because it's long. Like the musicals, long. oh, they're like, full, they're full length musicals. So. Uh, Emma, would you like to do the honor of introducing our characters? Oh, sure. (laughs) Absolutely. So, yes, today, uh, obviously, as we said, we're going to be talking about the Seiya Usagi ship. Uh, So, yeah, we're going to let's let's uh, start off by diving into uh, Miss uh, Tsukino Usagi or Usagi Tsukino, depending on which way you want to say it, or Serena Tsukino, as she was once called. Uh, Oh, my gosh. She's your like she's she's an every woman, you know. She's she's not great at school. Uh, she's she's not the most coordinated. Uh, she cries really easily, um, uh, and she learns to be more responsible as the series goes on. And she assumes the role of Sailor Moon, which was her her big destiny because uh, the main premise of Sailor Moon is a bunch of teenage girls discover that they are the uh, reincarnations of magical space princesses from millennia ago. Um, she- I love Usagi as a character, by the way. Like, yeah. I just think it's so cool uh, from like, you know, just like lots of Mary Sue type female protagonists. Sure. You, you look at her and she's almost a anti-hero. Like she's not a great hero at first. I was going to say, I think that that is one of the things that I particularly like about the interpretation of this character in Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon is that uh-huh. she, because she, like she's such an idol fan and she really wants to do a good job. Again, like she's definitely still a, a klutz and a crybaby. She's not good at school, but there is this element right off the bat with her of her going, oh, this is so exciting that I'm just this regular girl and I have this opportunity ahead of me to be something greater than that. Um, and and it, again, like it doesn't make her instantly an amazing hero, but there's this level of commitment that she immediately puts into it that I think is one of the things I, I so enjoy about the interpretation of that character in mm. um, the live action version. I think my favorite thing about Sailor Moon 2 is despite all of her negative, you know, flaws or what you would say that are very heightened in the storyline, her superpower, in my opinion, is is just that she brings people together. Yes. Like if you notice, 100%. she finds lovely people who may be ostracized or maybe bullied or whatever. And her real power is she really, she's oh. a community builder. Yes. So that's what I kind of, as someone who 
so since I'm on the autism spectrum, I, I get very emotional, cry all the time, <laughs> yeah. very klutzy. And I, I related a lot to her negative uh, thoughts in those regards. Yeah. Uh, but I also have learned to really be a community builder because it's, it's weird. I, uh, I, I really need people. Yeah. So I really related to that being her superpower is that especially at the end of like the, you know, original anime arc, like that kind of is her power is just bringing people together. So that's why I loved her so much. You are going to love Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon yeah. because they really <laughs> emphasize that in PGSM. Oh. Yeah. I, I think it's also very well emphasized in the Sailor Moon R movie as well, right? Like you yeah. know, we have all those flashback scenes. And um, mm. it's, I, I, uh, I love that you put it that way, Chris, because it, it reads even more queer to me now that, now that you're putting it in a way of community building, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, because... Sailor Moon's element, if if we can say that she has one, is like light and healing, right? Right, um, right. And, and and so like I think that just holds really well uh, in in that sense of community building, and mm-hmm. um, it it actually kind of reminds me of the same way that um, at the end of Naruto, when it's like kind of acknowledged that like that's that's Naruto's power, yeah, in, in, in opposition to Sasuke's power. Um, but you know, I don't know who who cares about Naruto in this. Uh, room, but. Well, I I think that 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 is very much one of the things that is the appeal of that character. It's not only is is she somebody that brings all these good people together. What's really special about Sailor Moon as a as a a global phenomenon, if you will, just as a, as a story, is that it emphasizes these really feminine traits as being extremely powerful. Yes. Mm. Uh, things that normally we would try to uh, write out of our quote unquote strong female characters, like compassion and caring. Uh, right. That's, yeah. That yeah. is all like the most important thing about anyone in Sailor Moon. Yeah. Some people are weirded out when I say this, but I, I say all the time that Sailor Moon provided like a very strong foundation for my feminism. Um, I don't think that's yeah. weird at all. Mm-hmm. I think that is, that well, makes total sense. <laughs> I, I th- thank you. But like, I think, I think it's because both of you like actually know the series very well. Like I think that's a lot fair. Of, that's fair. <laughs> I think a lot more casual viewers, like they unfortunately, they have a very unfortunate way of like remembering Sailor Moon where, mm. where it's like, Oh, you know, like, you know, I, you know, I just thought, you know, like it was a very like fluffy, you know, like fun, fun flouncy little little girl show like the short skirts and also like at the time it was shamed for the transformation scenes uh but no i I know what you mean though chris that that both chris is that there there is this weird uh uh memory that some people have of it where and i think this is something that happens a lot more with media that is uh intended for girls yeah it gets dismissed as being like fun, fluffy stories about girls going to school and talking about boys and going shopping. Uh, and, and Sailor Moon is so, so much more than that. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So we have Us- Usagi. She is, uh, she is Sailor Moon and, uh, she is the reincarnation of every, of, you know, the, the moon princess essentially. And uh, not uh, even essentially, she literally is. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Uh, uh, yes, she she is the reincarnation of the Moon Princess, uh, Princess Princess Arani. She's she's kind of referred to that when she becomes very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, basically, they're reborn on Earth, and then 
it it's the nineties anime is basically kind of a monster. It's very much a monster of the day show. Yes. Um, but like it's oftentimes like punctuated, you know, with the ends of the arc or near the ends of the arc with like very good, raw, human, like very real moments that oh yeah. I would argue that you usually don't see in magical girl shows after Sailor Moon. You know, like all of those yeah. shows that followed Sailor yeah. Moon being like, oh well, Sailor Moon's successful. So now let's let's do another say- yeah. You know what what is so successful about Sailor Moon in terms of its storytelling is that it is a magical girl show that managed to be both. Like it managed to yeah. do that that monster of the week uh side story sort of meandering where is this going to go uh but also we're getting some fun teen interactions and yet still was anchored in that very serious story whereas I feel like a lot of other magical girl series um they they tend to live in one or the other. It's either mm-hmm. like all fun fluff uh fairy tale monsters or it is Madoka Magica. It, or, exactly or it's Madoka. It's very <laughs> Or it's very dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, we have each Sailor Scout and they're both kind of aligned with, sorry, not both. We have each Sailor Scout and they're each aligned with an element or aspect and or aspect of humanity. No, sorry. I'm going to say that one more time. Yep. Uh, we have each Sailor Scout and they're aligned with a planet, an element, and an aspect of humanity in a way that's a little bit more details, but um for example, we have Sailor Mercury, who is water and intellect. Mars, who is fire and passion. Jupiter, that's nature and courage. Uh, Venus, who's metal and beauty. Might be doing a, a little too deep cut here, but... Um, metal and beauty. Well, it's like, I guess the planet Venus in Japan is associated with the metal gold, specifically. I, I guess, but it's such it's such a loose, it's such a loose thing. Like, she yeah. just beams and hearts. Like Beams and hearts. Um, metal, sure. Reflections of metal, who knows? Great, um, great. Uh, but so it, it, we get a little kingdom heartsy, I feel like, you know, near the, uh, latter part of the series, right? Because at first we're like, <laughs> yes. okay, so, so each planet, uh, has, has like a its sailor own guardian. princess and has yeah. a sailor guardian. That's yeah. it. You know, that sounds pretty simple. Yeah. Um, but then we later learned that, um, there are sailor scouts for kind of everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yep. and including sailor scouts that, are not sailor guardians. Uh, yes, if we're trying this to be would be here. so mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sailor guardians that are uh, just from other galaxies yes. that might not yeah. even be human. Yes, which is where our uh, second player of this episode comes in, and that is Saya. Uh, Saya is the leader of the Sailor Starlights. Uh, Okay, so here's here's a, a a starting right off the bat, getting into some differences between the manga and the anime, mm-hmm. uh, and also in at least the most recent Sailor Moon musicals, they they tend to go on the manga side of things as far as the starlights are concerned. So in the manga, the starlights are women who are dressed as men and and sort of charading as men in their day to day lives, mm. but when they transform, they reveal, oh, actually, we're women. Um, so they they fall into this uh, sort of gray area. I, I When I'm talking about the Starlights from the manga or from the uh, the new Serum You, I tend to use, like, they, them pronouns because, again, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like a gray area. Right. Um, whereas in the 
anime, they're actually supposed to be men in their civilian forms. And when they transform, they become women. Right. Yeah. It's very interesting. <laughs> um, uh, but Seiya is a Sailor Star fighter. They are uh, hot-headed, charismatic, flirty, charming, and delinquent, uh, and and still very like passionate in their sailor form as well. Um, the sailor, the, the sailor starlights are are <laughs> masquerading <laughs> as an idol group. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, the three lights. Uh, they are amazing. Uh, and then obviously. Um, the Seiya Usagi relationship is a big part of Seiya's story, particularly in the '90s anime, yes. uh, where they are very much into Usagi, who is dealing with the fact that Mamoru is away at college. <laughs> what college? We he don't just know. went to America, right? And then, uh, like, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's maybe London. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting it conflated with. Or um, maybe it might be London. You're with right. Pretty but Guardian Sailor Moon, where it's definitely London. But yeah, he's definitely not very present uh, in this story arc, uh-huh. um, though that is explained. But it's a yeah. it's a dramatic irony situation where the audience knows what's going on, but Usagi doesn't. Um, so she's left thinking that Mamoru is basically just full on neglecting her and not writing back to her. Well, in the uh, anime, you kind of, it, you're, I don't know, but you're less hinted at what's going on. You're with Usagi and you're feeling her heartbreak as it goes on. Yeah. Where at your side, it's probably a little bit, reading in the manga, it's probably more ironic, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's, it's it, as I say, it's definitely the, the dramatic irony of the situation of, you know that something's actually happened to Mamoru, but Usagi doesn't. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I feel like that that kind of covers the bases of uh, of who these characters are. So I want to let's get into like why people would be into this ship, and I definitely want to know from you, Chris Bryant, Chris, yes. uh, since you brought this ship to the table. Like, what is it about this ship that appeals to you? Yes. Make yes. make your points. Okay. Pretend that pretend that this is um, Model UN. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I'm, okay, so as someone who's mainly, like, my biggest fanship in Sailor Moon being the 90s anime, sure. uh, Tuxedo Mask Mamoru is not the best, most fleshed out character in the I anime. I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> and I started reading more and more and more of the manga, and he is a lot, he's very, very, I would say night and day almost. In so, he's like a completely different character. Yeah. Completely different character. So as someone who my, even it's weird, even though I love different forms of Sailor Moon, my yeah. favorite and the one which influences this decision is the 90s anime sure. is why I ship this more because that's my biggest instrumental part of, you know, who I, who, why I love Sailor Moon. Um, I love Seiya for Isagi because I feel like they're kind of two, two sides of a different coin mm. where he is flawed in premature boyish ways, the mm-hmm. way that Usagi was flawed. And I feel like it's uh, a really cool uh, I don't know if you ever thought of it that way, but that's why I liked it is that I felt like, oh, in some ways he is kind of like this, a Sailor Moon of a different galaxy. I mean, he's not because he's not the princess, but in the ways that he's kind of the more immature one that kind of leads the group together, but is also kind of a little bit immature. I feel like he kind of mirrors Usagi in some of those ways. Yeah. I, uh, no, I, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. As I, as I say, like, 
it took me so long to see the anime of Sailor Stars. So I just mm-hmm. don't have the same kind of connection to it. Mm. I think having read the manga. So you read the so, manga so before it. Then. I did. Yeah. Oh, I, I read the, sense. I read the manga first. And, and as I was saying earlier, like I really fell in love with Usagi in pretty guardian Sailor Moon Mm-hmm. And again, you have a very different Mamoru in Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon, who yeah. it, like is so fleshed out and interesting as a character. And ultimately, just I, I really, really buy the love story in that version. Um, and as you say, even in the manga, like he's a very, very different character. I don't know. They just kind of like get along and it's like their relationship is very sexy in the manga. Uh, so that... And again, when you do get to Sailor Stars, you are in the situation of you're looking at it from the outside, knowing that something has happened with Mamoru. Yeah. And and the Seiya thing is, it. I mean, it's there's definitely like Usagi entertaining ideas of it because she is feeling lonely. But ultimately, I think there is more of a like connection to staying with Mamoru. I actually think that Move Final, the last of the Seram Yu, did a really nice job with portraying this relationship where it, like, Seiya had this very, like, cute, almost innocent love of Usagi that I kind of mm-hmm. enjoyed. Um, mm. She certainly didn't reciprocate the feelings, but I, I did enjoy their relationship. I think in the anime, too, I think... Say is sexy. Like I have to oh, say, yeah. like when you watch oh it, like no, Seiya totally. Is, so I think that's partly where the ship comes from. Is that when you're seeing the character on page first, you don't get how, for some reason, the way that he's just drawn in the anime is just so like, oh, he's yeah. so cute, or they're so cute. I I, I see Saya by the way as like almost like a gender fluid character. So I yeah. sometimes will switch pronouns just yeah. to I use they, he, you know, whatever, because that's Any kind of, of the character. Yeah, but uh, so I think that's kind of why. I also have to say the other big reason as a fan of the anime, I feel like if my future daughter came to me and was Chibiusa. I would then <laughs> never, ever, ever have sex oh with Mamoru after that. I'd be like, absolutely not. This is obviously a mistake. We should never have this kid. Yes. This kid should never exist. So, so that's another reason. So <laughs> I have a question. I have a question. I have a follow-up question. Yes. So, so does that mean that you were rooting for Nehalania during that arc? <laughs> oh. I'm not not rooting for her. <laughs> <laughs> You're you're like, oh, oh boy, she's disappearing. Oh boy, oh boy. Some of the villains that I don't know, I do sometimes like, I I have a a soft soft spot for Queen Beryl. Like Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, maybe she's just misunderstood. Again, Chris, you have got to watch Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon because- I I love the thing about Sailor Moon, which is always so amazing. The villains are so, you always see sometimes where they're coming from. You know what I mean? you, you see it. But yeah, I think I always love Seiya for, because I know as a fan of the anime, you just, you don't, Mamoru just is not sexy after the first season. Like he's kind of just like a bland, you know, just like yeah. thing that's in there. And he's then, a meme. He's a meme. Yeah. Then Seiya comes, Seiya's flirty, but also you see things where it's like, oh, this is finally someone that, is a little bit of having similar issues that As- that Usagi has. Right, so right. That's why I kind of fell in love with him as a ship, as a fan of the original anime, is because yeah. he mirrors her in ways that 
Tuxedo Mask didn't. And then as a someone who didn't know what was going on with Mamoru, you're like, well, this jerk just Yeah, left. yeah, <laughs> you're yeah, you're like, oh, and especially because like I in, in the 90s anime, I, I I refer to Mamoru as a, a local asshole Mamoru Chiba because that's mm-hmm. what he is. Like he like he he I agree that he's so stunted in the 90s anime where he just becomes sort of this caricature of I'm tuxedo mask and I show up and I do things and I'm uh, Usagi's boyfriend character and I'm a manzel in distress. Um, yeah, and, and uh, like like even when he's not in tuxedo mask form, like I still get the sense that like he just doesn't like he's not a good boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I think this is highlight because I recently watched on um, the Sailor Moon S movie again and Sailor Moon Supers. Mm. Um, and and like. Do you remember like both scenes when like in the you know before you know uh conflict happens uh Usagi's like trying to like talk to and connect with Mamoru and and then Mamoru just like it's just like you know like maybe you should just like lay off Luna for a little bit. Yeah. That's, that, that's, a, that's a mean thing, that's a mean thing to say. Yeah, and he doesn't like that is that's not Mamoru in the manga at all. Like I just I I don't fully understand well, as I want to know, because I've heard this from multiple people and their answers are sometimes different. What do you see as being the difference between uh, Mamoru in the manga? And then what do you see the difference being uh, say in the manga as well? Well, with Mamoru, it's mostly that uh, is, is that Mamoru is in the manga just a much more supportive boyfriend character. Like he's not an accessory. He's like actively involved in being mm-hmm. really supportive of Usagi and in like lifting her up and letting her shine. And, and again, like he would never say something to her, like maybe you just need to, you know, listen to Luna. If he does say something like that, there's further justification around it. Um, and he's such a good sort of like dad character to Chibiusa who is far less annoying in the manga. Yeah. Far less annoying. Thank God. <laughs> um, and then as far as Seiya goes, like, I feel like Seiya is kind of fun and flirty in the 90s anime, whereas in the manga, he comes across as a little cold and detached and a little, like, pushy when it comes to the So Usagi. their characters mm. are basically flipped. Yeah. 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 Because there, it, it seems like they played up that there is an age difference between Mamoru and Usagi in the anime a little bit more. Like They downplay it in the manga for sure. Yeah, like they kind of play it up if he sees her, he, you see as almost like an older figure being like, you're mature, but eventually you'll be my future wife. It's kind of like what he kind of comes off in the anime a little bit. Yeah, and I think in the manga, it's more that like they're learning together and they're and they're both dealing with the fact that they have this knowledge that their future is kind of already determined and they're going to end up together and that they also were together in the past you kind of see them dealing with that a little more i think in terms of them coming together as partners yeah where also i'd say too like with seiya and anime too it's someone who's actually usagi's age yeah like it's someone so i think that's why i kind of was like i ship this more i also think that someone that's gender fluid is a really great fit for usagi i yeah. think oh i mean yes well, <laughs> that's a, that's a yeah. great that's a first, yeah because like, she's sewn so many i mean like the girls in general they're just known for being like very positive and everyone in that everyone way. is by in sailor moon that's mm-hmm. that's my story uh yeah no it was really interesting uh 
uh, looking at like the shipping uh, wiki in terms of Sailor Moon. Um, and they do classify uh, Seiya and Usagi as a non-binary ship uh, because it kind of kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also just want to say, say that um, I think there's also like a certain type of draw, depending on the type of person you are um, sure. for this type of ship, because this fits a very heavily used trope in all Asian dramas of, you know, the aloof pop star that's like, oh, like all of these, you know, very Sylvain from Fire Emblem Three Houses, right? Being like, uh-huh. uh, uh, all of these girls, you know, they all just want me because I'm famous. Okay. They all just want me because I'm rich because, you know, I'm talented. Yeah. So, like, I just push all of them away and I act flirty even though like I actually don't want to be with girls that that much. And then comes along the girl that's like, I don't I don't care who you are. Yeah. I'm going to keep it 100 with you. And uh-huh. then, oh, oh my God. So, so yeah. honest. And so I, and I do think that that is more prevalent in the 90s anime where it was funny you brought up Fire Emblem and you brought up like Sylvain because in my head I was like, I feel like his personality is more like Felix, but that's in the mm. manga. But you're right about the anime. Yeah. Hmm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I see you. I see you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I think that we, we've covered uh, some of our, our bases, obviously, uh, in terms of why people would ship this. And I mean, like, say it tries to actively tries to date Usagi in in Sailor Stars. He just yes. does. They do. Yeah. She does. Whoever it is. It's great. Uh, let's let's talk about ship dynamics and perhaps defining this ship, shall we? Yes. So. For the '90s anime, I I'm I'm curious to to know like if you think that there's a different dynamic for the manga version, perhaps, or for the for the stage plays. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I obvious I think it's very obvious that from the '90s anime, at least, that this is Cinnabon X Hothead. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. you then added to the notes uh, with some delinquent and oblivious nerd, and that's so much more uh, what the manga is. Mm. Like Seiya is like into Usagi, and she's like I. She doesn't really like get it until until she gets it. And then she's like, mm. oh, whoa, I might be kind of into this, but I like love Mamaru. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This one, this one, not not that complicated. <laughs> Thankfully. Which is Usagi's character, too. Like yeah. she's kind of not that complicated. Oh, and this guy likes me. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yep, I think that's very true. And again, that circles back to some of the appeal of Usagi is that she isn't complicated. It makes it really good for story development too. I mean, that's why this character was... And I do have to say, my favorite parts of any... I think Say is good for the ship of Usagi and Mamoru too. Because Mm -hmm. any storyline of just two characters just being happy and nothing happening is kind of boring. It is. And it was... It was nice since there was so much of Sailor Moon or, you know, of Usagi versus Chibiusa. It was nice to have someone actually go for Usagi for once rather than Mamoru, who it's like everyone I feel like is constantly going for. Yeah, that's a good point. Put some balance towards that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I have it in my notes here too that like that sometimes it's just fun to like go against like, you know, the destiny, you know, the destiny OTP ship. Um, yeah. Because like in the end, like, you know that like it's not going to happen. Like, yeah, we, we know what the future is going to be like. But like it's it's just fun. Yeah. I'm just saying, what would their child be like? Because it would not be Chibiusa. <laughs> <laughs> it would have they will uh, 
Normal hair, maybe. Maybe normal, normal hair. <laughs> normal hair, yes. Uh, well, I think that that actually uh, leads us really well oh. uh, into our, our doujinshi topic of the week. Uh, nice transition. Because the doujin that we're talking about, like, d- I, 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 it was, it's very sweet. It's very tame. Uh, apparently, there's actually quite a lot of Seiya and Usagi doujinshi uh, in Japan. But... It's the stuff that Mistream has, uh, which Mistream.org, that is a, a great Sailor Moon resource. Uh, if you're looking for pretty yes. guardian Sailor Moon, you'll find yes. it all there. Uh, oh. um, uh, the stuff that she has is very tame. Not everything she got on her Doujinshi collection is very tame, uh, let me tell you. Uh, but all the Seiya Usagi <laughs> stuff is very tame. But I did enjoy the story that we're talking about because of the way it also reflected on uh, Usagi and Mamoru or really Neo Queen Serenity and King Endymion. Um, um, yeah. So we're, we're talking about the, the one by Fragrant Olive, correct? Yes. Yes. So um, on the site, it, it unfortunately doesn't say like who specifically made this one. Yeah, the, the Mystream only lists the doujinshi circles, not the individual artists. Yes, but Fragrant Olive has a has been around the block when it comes to um, (laughs) Sailor Moon doujinshi. Um, And so this is basically a story that is like Chibi Moon finds a poster of the three lights. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. kind of brings it up in front of, of, uh, Usagi and Mamoru when yeah. you know when like in the future in Neo Crystal Tokyo right like when yeah. when they're like you know the the rightful kind and gentle um, rulers of the galaxy of I guess. everything of every of everything um, <laughs> and and like it just causes like it just brings up like a lot in Usagi and clearly Mamoru knows about this too which like it makes it even like more uncomfortable. I don't know I though. I I actually liked the way things went down with King Endymion in this, where basically, yeah, Chibiusa comes in and she wants to, or, or small lady, you know, my yes. mom's name, my mom's name, also my mom's name, uh, my mom's name, which is her <laughs> full name. Um, uh, yeah, because she comes in and and basically asks her mom about who's in this poster, and as you say, it does bring up these painful memories. But I interpreted. Uh, and Dimian leaving as a, hey, like, I know that this is hard for you. I'm going to give you some space for you to, so that you can explain to our daughter however you want to explain the relationship that you had with this person. Which happens. I remember going to my aunt's basement, finding her old wedding album of like something with a, you know, previous ex-husband. Yeah. And I think it's it's a really big part of a child's life is realizing like, oh, it's not just mommy and daddy love each other and that's it. They've had, they had other lives before they've had other lives before. So I thought it was a really sweet memory. It was really cute. I don't know. I thought it was a really cute one. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a sweet story. I thought, I thought it was so sweet too. It's just that it it like, it really like, it got to me. It really, it was, it was very like, Oh man, like this is. The way it was framed, it made me really, like into the sort of uh, love triangle, if you will, of like, yeah. yeah, this does. It adds like an interesting layer of as 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 we were mentioning this idea that you do have other loves in your life. It's not just one person, um, mm. and kind of just addressing 
that and addressing that with your kid. You know me, I love, I love <laughs> Dim Shin Chi. That's like parents, they've got histories and they're still people. They are not just mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, there are a couple other uh, untranslated doujinshi on uh, Mystream as well that I found. Uh, one was called Fraggle Club. Uh, the doujinshi circle is called Grinda. Uh, the, there's a few different little stories in it, but the first one uh, is like Seiya loses like a button on his shirt. Uh, and so yes, Usagi, and so like Usagi <laughs> goes to sew it, but at first she like actually like tries to re- make repairs while the shirt is still on him. And so there's a real fun moment of them like being real close and her, her getting a little verklempt and blushy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's cute. Um, and then the other one that's on there is called Passion Red, which again is just a bunch of little short stories in it. And there's, there's, it's only like a two page thing with, Usagi and Seiya and as far as I can tell they're just like getting kind of close and flirty and the other people are noticing that they are uh but there's a real good uh uh Rei and Minako page in there of all things I saw so I was that. just like I saw that I was like oh damn oh damn <laughs> uh, but no all the all the all the Usagi Seiya stuff was very tame <laughs> so anything anybody else wants to Add about their experiences, not not even just with this doujinshi, but maybe exploring other uh, stuff within the Seiya Usagi fan works world before we uh, move on to rating the ship and, and getting into some of our own fan works. I just think it's really great having any ship with non-binary characters. Yeah. Like, and I think that's why as someone who is non-binary, like I think that's why I particularly relate to this ship is that there aren't... Mm that many characters that are non-binary to add to a ship. So totally. I think that's why I really kind of, there's the, 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 the um, added gender to this is kind of one of the cool things about this one. So that's why I love it. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, this, this show was just so ahead of its time, I feel mm-hmm. like. Um, it really it was. was. So, it was of yeah. its time, but it was also ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Who is non-binary a sex symbol, which I think is really cool. Like one of the, you know, this cool pop group are people that are gender fluid that are moving from one gender to the next. And I think that's just really cool and and bad and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Bad is a compliment. I was like, I didn't know if I could curse and say bad. Oh yeah, you can. We Listen, listen, a lot of the time we're talking about like, (laughs) straight up uh anime porn on this podcast so okay. you can definitely curse <laughs> we just couldn't find any <laughs> well we just couldn't find any otherwise we totally would <laughs> uh so yeah if you if it listen if you have got a source uh for some uh seiya and usagi spicy dojin uh listen we we are here uh and we are ready (laughs) (laughs) our bodies are ready and it's all i'm saying uh all right well let's go ahead and rate this ship uh so we're gonna start with giving like a canonical rating of how canon is this ship within the source material um and obviously this is one that has a couple different source Source materials, materials uh to draw from but uh i feel like canonically in the 90s anime, I might rate it a little bit higher only because, again, you just get to spend more time with these characters than you do in the manga right. and in, yeah. like, the Seram Yu stuff that they've been in. I mean, I, uh, the, it, with Usagi and Mamoru being 10, that is the ship, that is canon, they end up together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I I think that this this ship is, like, solidly at a five in terms of being canonical. 
uh-huh. because there are, I mean, there are people that like actively hate the ship and have entire websites dedicated to how bad it is. Um, and they're, some of the points they bring up aren't exactly wrong, uh, but it doesn't change the fact that there's certainly a flirtation that happens within Sailor Moon Canon, no matter what way you spin it. Yeah. yeah. It's the same way with uh, Usagi and uh, Uranus. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Haruka. Yes. Yeah. 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 Totally. I'd put that yeah. at like a five also. I, I, I agree. I, I agree. I think, I think like it's because like, you know, this is caught in the middle of like so many interpretations of the work already. Like I yeah. think five is a good place to put it. Yeah. I would put it a little bit higher. I would still like maybe like a six or a seven. Okay. My only reason being that um, there is more, there is at least somewhat of an interest. Yes. It, sure. It's, it's more of the ship of like the lover that just was the wrong place, wrong time. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I feel like that's why I put it. It's not like yeah. something that's completely out of lines where it's like, oh, these characters obviously like there's written chemistry. Sure. It's not like they're completely different galaxies. It's the wrong place. Uh, but there is something there rather than just like, oh, I think these characters look cute together, but there's no dialogue with them together. Like there's definitely dialogue and stuff like that. No, totally. Yeah, no, that, that, that is absolutely true. This is not like an out of left field rare pair. Why would people like there's, there's plenty of evidence to support this as a ship. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's why I'd say like a six or seven, meaning that there's evidence there and it's as a ship being like the, it's definitely like the lover that was wrong place, wrong time for me type of shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So let's go into the, uh, our own personal ratings okay. for the ship. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, so I will say that it is like, I'll give it like a solid eight. Oh. Uh, <laughs> just, just because like for me personally, like, again, coming from the anime, like I really just love how it just breaks up the monotony of, that yeah. of Mamaru and Usagi. Sure. Um, and, and just how like, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm a bad person and I like, you know, the prospect of, <laughs> of uh, cheating. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. The, pros- the prospect, not the actual act of no, it. No, no, um, no, no, no. No, it's, it, again, as we have said many times on this podcast, yes. just because you like something yeah. in, a, in a work like, of fiction... A- like it's a fantasy. Like I'll yes. I'll say uh, like I'll say it because I I've I think I've talked about my uh pornography interests before here too. <laughs> that like I, I I enjoy I enjoy like un, you know cheating unfaithful men in in my your porn. fiction. Yeah, yes, yeah. In my fiction. Yeah, I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Uh Chris Bryan, what about you? What would you rate this personally? I would say a nine. I mm. think I think, yeah, it's one of my favorite ships. I also, I don't, I have mixed views on monogamy in general. Like, I don't know if there's like that one soulmate for you. Sure. So that's why there's sometimes where I enjoy one character with multiple love interests. Mm -hmm. Totally. Different places in time 
you need different romantic friction to develop as a human being. Mm. I love that. I like that too. And that doesn't even mean you have to act on it. You can still be married and still have like a little flirtations thing happen that makes you appreciate your marriage and makes you feel like, this isn't right for me, but I'm glad that I flirted with this person because I realized why, you know, you can still be in a monogamous relationship and still have an attraction to someone that makes you appreciate your partner more. So I think that, in the sense that I think Seiya really brings a good home ending to Mamoru and Usagi too. It was, it was, I love it. So I say mm, nine. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I went into this podcast, not really caring for this ship, uh, not actively disliking yeah. it. It's just not necessarily my bag, but you've sold me on it a little bit more. A little uh, bit more. <laughs> so I think I'll put, I think I will put my, I will keep my Canon rating, uh, and personal rating the same at about a five of like, okay, I'll I feel, take it. I feel neutral about the ship. I don't yeah. actively dislike it. I understand why people like it. And I understand why yeah. people like it even more so uh, having talked through it. So thank you. Well, and non-binary <laughs> people too. Like for me, yeah. that's why it's like, it's like, yay, something to have a flirtation where it's a non-binary person who's also in power too a little bit. It's absolutely right. Yeah. 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 No, I totally get it. Uh, Want to read some fan fiction? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm really feeling it. Yes, of course. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Uh, I think that I went first. I, you went first last time, right, Chris? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, you did. All right. So I will, I will go first. All right. Cool. Here we go. Sometimes she wondered if the future was certain, if the future Chibiusa had traveled back in time to protect was actually her future or the future of another Usagi who'd lived a life not so different than her own centuries ago. Or was it millennia? Math never was her strong suit. (laughs) Seiya shifted on the bed beside her startling Usagi as they pulled more of the comforter towards themselves. Usagi turned to find they were still fast asleep, their breathing soft and even, peaceful. I wonder if you always sleep so soundly, Usagi thought, studying her bedmate's unusually gentle countenance and brushing a stray hair away from their unfurrowed brow. Nothing had happened between them that could be described as scandalous or unfaithful. They just happened to be sleeping in the same bed after visiting too late into the night at Seiya's apartment. But the guilt Usagi felt at her emotional infidelity was worse, or worse than that, how quickly that guilt dissipated as she imagined a future with the person beside her. She settled down into the mattress, moving closer to Seiya. It was cold that night, and she didn't want to wake Seiya by stealing back the half of the comforter they had just stolen. She continued to tell herself that, even as she accidentally brushed her knees up against theirs and felt her heart jump in her chest. Seiya's eyelids fluttered open. Dumpling head, they said sleepily, (laughs) draping an arm over Usagi's shoulder. You stay up too late playing video games? Why are you sleeping in your clothes? They continued to mumble something unintelligible, pulling Usagi into a tight embrace before trailing off and settling back to sleep. Usagi wasn't even sure they'd been awake at all, but she didn't care. Maybe there was no place for Seiya in her future, but that future was eons away, and she'd be damned if she kept denying them the space she so desperately wanted them to fill in her present. Oh, shit. There you go. You're a good writer. <laughs> Thank the you. Pros. Thank the you. The pros. Listen, I like my descriptions. <laughs> I feel bad because I wrote mine uh, drunk off boxed wine last night. Hey, I, listen. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's go. I, I'm so excited. Wait, where please, is it? Please tell it's, me. It starts with, 
I think I was trying to say hello, but I wrote <laughs> H-E-L-L. I had a glass of wine. I'm sad. Here is fan fiction. <laughs> Hi, Chris Lamb. And then it just says, Usagi officially graduates high school. She's on the podium. She's on the podium. And getting her bow thing people get for graduating maybe a stash IDK. <laughs> I This was a fun night last night. And I then I write, she gets it. She can't believe her. she graduated. Her test scores were so bad, but she did it. Woo! She looks the crowd and looks for Mamoru, but he's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> All her family is excited, but Mamoru is asleep. Mamoru <laughs> has become uh, complacent and has forgotten her birthdays multiple times like he did on that one episode. And Usagi is sad and can't do it anymore. <laughs> She runs into Saya, who is nice and warm, and wonders, should I date Saya now? But then she realizes she spent too many years wanting a man, and now she's a boss who doesn't need anyone. She is always able to defend herself. Men are garbage. The end. <laughs> Yay! So that's the amazing fan fiction I wrote last night after Box I love Wine. it! Oh, no. that's so... Yeah, that's so funny. I just rewatched that birthday episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it reminds me of that scene in the manga uh, where Ray and Minako like tell off the starlights, uh, where they <laughs> say, uh, uh, "Yeah, we don't, we don't need men in our lives." You got a problem with that? Like, it's such a good scene. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's great. Okay, my turn. Yes, yes. go, go, go. Okay. I went a little crazy on this one. I'm going to be honest. Um, All right. Good. I'm ready. The somewhat tattered sleeping bag was providing nominal warmth for Usagi as she was getting ready to curl up for bed. She hears Seiya sneeze in the distance while he is on guard duty. Usagi feels bad, but grateful that he pushed her to take the sleeping bag first, insisting he can sleep on anything. Seiya, Usagi said, take a break and let's share the sleeping bag. You can't protect me if you get sick. Oh. Saya turned around, surprised at the offer, but wasn't going to turn it down. The planet they landed on is nowhere as lush or warm as Earth was, but was the closest they could get to under dire circumstances. Both of them had lost count if this was the 40th or 50th planet they had to take shelter in since fleeing, fleeing Earth after the one-sided battle with Sailor Galaxia. Saya closes the zipper of the sleeping bag and lets out a small sigh. He starts to feel their heat exchanged between them. There it was, that scent again, that mm. feeling again. Saya wanted to do more with Usagi. Who else did they have now but each other? Maybe she would find a way to bring everyone back, but this is his chance. And yet it's because he cares so much about her that he continues to dedicate himself to giving her space to mourn just in case. He kept telling himself he would never break their trust for his own selfishness and take advantage of the situation, no matter how much pain it would cause him. Bunhead, you know how I feel about you, right? Seif feels his temperature rising as it always does when she is close. You're a forward kind of guy, so yes. A silence fills the starless sky. Saya reaches into his plain white shirt to scratch his back. He can feel his blush temporarily pulling back like the tides on a beach. Well, the offer still stands. I know. She lifts her arms to wrap around Saya's well-defined torso. Saya awkwardly lifts up his hips so that so Usagi can reach underneath his back and her hands can meet on the other side of him. All the while, the tide in Seiya's mind crashes back in. Bigger, like the waves do when the moon ushers in the evening. Oh. He can start feeling some sweat peek out of his forehead. Wait, I didn't mean right now. You don't have to... Usagi doesn't look back up at Seiya, all while saying, I'm not going farther than this right now, pervert. (laughs) (laughs) The tide subsides once more. 
Seiya's muscles loosen their grip on his frame. Usagi chuckles. Seiya can hear how battle-worn and the grief behind her laugh. And he pulls her in just a little closer, trying his best to lean into this mix of both disappointment and relief. Give me a little more time. Usagi says as she tightens her embrace as well and buries her face in uh, a little deeper into Seiya's chest. Aww, That's it. That was That's good. so cute. That was really good. You guys Thank are you. amazing at writing fan fiction. <laughs> Listen, I'm. this is all learning from Emma. This is all learning from Emma. <laughs> you are a quick study, I must say. Chris, Thank you, Sensei. Listen, Thank you, Sensei. Uh, I, <laughs> Thanks, Senpai. I, I feel pretty... I... Our, our poll for our last uh, fic is still, or our last fanfic challenge is still going on. Uh, I am uh-huh. in the lead right now. And so I think I will very temporarily be the fanfic champion once again. But Chris, I think after this week. That's you, a pretty incredible we might, one. We might, uh, we might. Thank you so much. We might tie up again. Uh, Thank yeah, you. That so, means a lot. Yeah. So do be sure to vote uh, in our, uh, our, our fanfic poll that will be going up on our Twitter. Uh, but yeah, that kind of. That kind of wraps things up for uh, this episode of the Not Safe for Weebs podcast. Uh, Chris Bryan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's such a cute Sailor Moon conversation. I know. This was great. <laughs> I could talk about Sailor Moon for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I have. Uh, uh, Chris Bryan, do you have anything going on that you uh, that, that you want to tell the folks at home oh, about? Oh, there's so much going on in this pandemic. Uh, you know, <laughs> all of my gigs have been canceled this year uh you can just follow me on twitter and instagram it's tinder chris like tinder uh t-n-d-e-r chris yeah. uh with a ch uh on all of social media sweet uh yeah and then you know you you know what what chris lamb and i are up to we're just living our lives doing our best doing this podcast doing this podcast uh among other things but uh yeah uh we are at nsf weebs pod on uh twitter you can also email us at nsf weebs pod at gmail.com if you have any spicy uh usagi say it doujinshi please send it there because we're looking we looked <laughs> we tried find we tried we tried, we tried. <laughs> uh and you you know how that goes so yeah thank you uh to everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be we'll be back again, uh, hopefully next week. So far, we're making it work. Yeah, uh, thanks everybody for hanging with us. All right, and you know, stay healthy out there. Uh, that really, truly is the most important thing. Uh, yep. And uh, stay the fuck home. <laughs> stay the fuck home. <laughs> Bye.